And we also have to remember the magnesium coming in from the foods is going to be a different type of magnesium that's coming in from a supplement. So our body is going to process that magnesium a little bit differently. It doesn't have a molecule attached to it. The reason we have so many different magnesium, citrate, bisglycinate, L3-inate, all these kinds is because it's easier if we're taking it in supplement form, when it's attached to an amino acid or some other molecule, it's easier to get into the body and absorbed. Hello, and welcome to the Art of Living Well podcast. I'm Stephanie May Potter, and I'm here with my co-host, Marnie Dachis-Marmette. We created the Art of Living Well podcast to empower you to live your happiest, healthiest, and most authentic life. Each week, we will bring you inspiring and motivating conversations covering health and wellness topics, including fitness, mindset, food, travel, product reviews, and strategies from a variety of experts, including our own bank of knowledge. We are excited to educate, motivate, and inspire you to change the way you perceive health and discover your art of living well. Get ready to feel inspired. Welcome to episode 119 of the Art of Living Well podcast. Before we dive into today's episode, I just want to say how happy Marnie and I both are that April is here, um, that we're officially into spring. And although right now it's kind of cold and wet in Minnesota, we know that all the rain is going to create such beautiful green grass and the flowers are going to start blooming soon. And summer is then, of course, right around the corner. And spring is actually the perfect time in traditional Chinese medicine to reset your liver and do a liver detox. And so we're excited to announce that our upcoming quarterly seven-day functional medicine liver detox is going to kick off on April 24th. Um, As integrative health practitioners and health coaches, Marnie and I will guide you through a wonderful seven-day journey. And it's really such a great way to boost your immunity, reduce your toxic load, reduce bloating, increase your energy, improve your sleep and your digestion all in just one week. And the great thing about this program, and we've been running this now for, I think it's probably been two years, is it really allows you to tune into your body's unique needs, um, really become more mindful around the food and drinks that you eat on a regular basis, and then you'll walk away with a set of tools and such a better understanding of your own body. And trust us, you will be so proud of your accomplishment. Um, But don't just take our word for it. I want to share what one of our very recent detox participants had to say. She said, since the detox program began, I felt more focused on getting most of my nutrients from plants and whole foods. I'm getting better sleep. I feel energized and I felt supported and encouraged throughout the course of the detox. I couldn't have asked for a better team. So we'd love for you to join our community. Um, We're super excited to be doing this as well after being out of town recently. It's such a great reset. So head on over to the link. You can click it in our show notes. You can find us on social media and sign up. And of course, message us with any questions. We can't wait for you to join us. And before I introduce today's guest, we do have one small request. If you are enjoying this podcast, if you could head over to Apple Podcast and leave us a rating and review, it takes just two minutes and it really helps us reach more people so that others can benefit from the inspiring conversations and resources that we share each week. And now let's welcome today's amazing guest, Dr. Barb Woger. 
Dr. Barb is a licensed naturopathic doctor practicing in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. She is passionate about empowering individuals to take control of their own health. Her primary focus is to explore the underlying root cause and provide individualized patient-centered care. Dr. Barb utilizes evidence-based therapies and provides patients with the knowledge and tools needed to succeed. Her clinical focus is in women's health, stress management, and inflammatory conditions. Dr. Barb spends a great deal of time educating individuals on the importance of magnesium and why we all need to add this mineral to our health toolbox, which is what we're going to really going to cover in today's episode. This was such a fascinating conversation about this magnificent mineral that is involved in over 800 reactions in the, bo- in the body. And don't worry, we're not going to get too technical or anything on you, but Dr. Barb does such a wonderful job of explaining this mineral um, and how it can support us for optimal health in such simple terms that everyone will easily understand. So in today's episode, you will learn what magnesium is and why it's so critical for our body to function optimally. You'll discover what symptoms you may have if you are magnesium deficient. We'll talk about the most effective types of tests to determine if you have a deficiency. We'll discuss how and why our magnesium levels get depleted. Um, Dr. Barr will touch on some of the functions that require magnesium and what happens when we don't get enough of it. Um, we even talk about like the types of magnesium-rich foods to consume, and I will share that one of them is dark chocolate, so it's not just eating your leafy greens. And you know, we'll even get into what type of lifestyle factors um, will deplete your magnesium stores and what type of lifestyle habits will help um, contribute to raising those numbers. She talks about the different types of magnesium, what to look for in a supplement to find a a high-quality one, and we even talk about the role that magnesium plays with female hormones, both pre- and post-menopause, including how it can reduce PMS symptoms, um, how it can impact your cravings, migraines, and even the role that it plays with insulin resistance and weight gain. Marty and I had such a great conversation. We learned so much um, about magnesium, and we just can't wait to share it with you. So with that, let's jump right into today's episode with Dr. Barb. But first, a quick word from our sponsor, Thrive Chiropractic. I was first introduced to Thrive Chiropractic over five years ago for kinesiology-based food sensitivity testing. I was so amazed by this non-invasive and inexpensive technique that I took my son to have testing done, which confirmed some of his food sensitivities. Both my son and I now have regular tune-ups, and even my leery husband has felt the immense benefits from receiving chiropractic care, including cupping. With over 25 years of clinical experience, the doctors at Thrive Chiropractic, located in Minnetonka, Minnesota, combine their passion for wellness with a strong expertise in effective treatment approaches. When you first come to Thrive Chiropractic, the doctors are focused on helping you feel better as soon as possible, and they recognize that one type of treatment or technique does not work for everyone. Your comprehensive exam, personal goals, and individual concerns help the doctors tailor your custom treatment plan for maximum results. Thrive Chiropractic's integrative approach offers holistic and effective healthcare with a full spectrum of complementary products and services, including acupuncture, massage, food sensitivity testing, CBD, and premium supplements. 
As a special offer, Thrive Chiropractic would like to invite listeners of our podcast to experience the gift of health with a $25 new patient visit, which includes the initial consultation, a comprehensive exam, any necessary x-rays, and first adjustment. Simply visit the website at www.thrivechiromn.com or call 952-746-5612 and reference the Arts of Living Well podcast. When you're seeking effective, non-invasive treatment approaches to support your health goals, let Thrive Chiropractic be your partner in wellness. Call or book online today. Hi, Dr. Barb. We are so excited to have you on our show today. I discovered you through another podcast over the summer, during which time I had just started taking some magnesium and my daughter and I were both actually taking a bunch. And so I was just super drawn to this topic and I knew immediately that I wanted to have you on our show. And then I started following you on Instagram. And for everyone out there, you have an amazing Instagram page with just so much information, but it's also very practical and simple and easy, which I love. So thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. And I absolutely love speaking about this mineral. So I am in heaven. (laughs) (laughs) Well, great. So everyone has a story and we'd love for you to share your journey about how you became a naturopathic doctor and then ultimately, you know, kind of an expert or specialist in the area of magnesium. Yeah, so um, I didn't actually go into the healthcare space right away. Um, I was in the insurance industry for many years, Um, but what led me into healthcare was I did a lot of uh, disability and life insurance. So we would um, ask all these um, medical and health questions. And a lot of these individuals that I was doing were, they were young, they were in their twenties and thirties. And my gosh, the amount of health issues that these individuals had was like unbelievable. And I was like, wow, this is like, you know, how come our conventional medical system can't help these people and just put them on all these medications. And I started doing just a nutrition course after that, just to kind of see if I wanted to get that in that direction. Um, I really enjoyed that. I was a nutritionist for a little bit. Um, and then I decided that I wanted to do a lot more. And so that led me into back into university, into a kinesiology degree, a psychology degree, and then off um, four years in naturopathic medical school. So um, that's kind of how I got into naturopathic medicine. And then once I started practicing, the one thing you have to understand with naturopathic medicine, most of the patients that come in have already had diagnoses or they've been told there's really not much else to do or we can't really help you anymore. Um, you know, you kind of need to live with this and that's it. Um, so these patients are coming in diagnosed, have gone through the conventional medical system, and there's just nothing left for them to kind of take advantage of on a medical perspective. And so our jobs become that much more difficult because now we got to dig deeper. And so when I first started practicing, I was researching all of these different things. And every single time I researched, I came to this magnesium deficiency or magnesium is involved in this enzymatic reaction that's going to do this. And I was like, geez, what is going on? Because we didn't learn about it in school. They told us, yeah, it's one of the electrolytes and it's kind of needed and it needs to be in balance. And that was pretty much it. So that's really how I got started in with magnesium because now I had all of these 
different issues and conditions that were starting to improve when I was dosing magnesium. And I was dosing magnesium in some instances quite high and was seeing quite a a good result. And so that led me to doing a, a whole year's worth of research on this mineral and ultimately creating like a little ebook about it just so that people had all the information in one place. And also, as you know, my most of my Instagram account is all about magnesium. <laughs> wow. So that's, <clears throat> that's quite an interesting journey. From yeah. insurance to magnesium, um, <laughs> really, really different, right? Different path that you started on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering, um, um, we would really love to explain, have you explained for our listeners, like what magnesium actually is and why it's so critical for our body to function optimally? Yeah. So magnesium is, as I said, an electrolyte. And it's the fourth most abundant um, mineral in the body. And so it's also involved in now over 800 enzymatic reactions. That's the latest research. And so what that means in simple terms is that it's responsible or has its hand in almost everything that happens in your body. So it's one of these minerals that is easily depleted um, and it's a little bit more difficult to test because of where it's concentrated. Um, Most of it is in the bones and tissues um, and only 1% is in circulation. So when doctors are running magnesium as a serum test, unfortunately, they're not getting the accurate amount of magnesium. They're only looking at that 1% that's in circulation where most of it is in the bones and the tissues. So um, we definitely don't recommend a serum magnesium test just for that reason, because it doesn't give us a lot of information. And magnesium deficiency also is a lot of the symptoms are related to other symptoms or from other health conditions. So a lot of the times it's overlooked and it's not even addressed or even um, considered when it's um, part of a health diagnosis. So... If you can't test Mm -hmm. easily, how do you know someone's deficient? And also, can you overdose on magnesium? Yeah. So the test that I would recommend running, you can run tests. It's just the physicians don't run the the magnesium test. They run the RBC or the magnesium serum test, which is just what's in the serum, like what's in the actual circulation. So if we look at the red blood cell magnesium test, this test is more accurate. It's not a hundred percent, but it's more accurate and can tell us, you know, where you are in the scale of being either deficient. And here on this scale for the uh, red blood cell magnesium, you want to be at the high end because we're still seeing deficiency symptoms at the lower end or even mid mid range. So there is something we can use for testing and um, it's just not used very often. So that's, that's why I said it's not always available and always something that we can bank on. Now, can you overdose on magnesium? You could, and you're going to have loose bowel movements and you're going to have some GI symptoms, but technically, um, no, like you can't actually overdose to the point where it would actually cause harm unless you had 
kidney disease. That is kind of the only um, contraindication when we're looking at magnesium. Magnesium is filtered through our kidneys. And so if somebody has kidney disease or some form of kidney illness, cancer, those kinds of things, then we have to be more cautious. Um, we dose a lot smaller and we dose in like multiple times versus like once or twice a day. Yeah. I have a couple of questions about the testing. So would a kind of standard Western doctor be able to run the red blood cell test or would yes. you probably need to go to a naturopath or? No, okay. no, it's part of the standard blood protocol here in Ontario. They don't like running it. And so it's covered under OHIP, but it would only be covered if there was some type of issue that they felt it was necessary to order. Other than that, it is a more expensive test. And so a lot of physicians won't run it, but you can get it covered from like your regular family doctor. Yeah. Okay. And what are your thoughts on, there's a hair tissue mineral analysis test that I know also Marnie and I are integrative health practitioners. And so we can facilitate that for clients. Um, what do you think about that? And that tests a bunch of minerals, but I'm curious specifically related to magnesium. It doesn't sound like maybe that's the most accurate, but. Again, it's probably thoughts. on the same level as the serum blood. Um, it's going to give you an idea. If somebody is low on serum magnesium in the blood, then we know they're deficient, right? Because it's testing this 1% and okay. we're not looking at the other 99%. If somebody is middle of the road, we're also concerned because we're like, okay, this is middle of the road in 1%. What are you overall? And the hair mineral analysis, which I test as well for like heavy metals and stuff like that, it gives us an idea of magnesium status. And then I usually follow it up with an RBC magnesium test. Yeah. So why do you think so many people are deficient in magnesium? Well, that's because magnesium can um, be depleted quite easily um, in just everything that we do in a daily basis. So medications, for one, um, deplete magnesium. So things like um, antacids, birth control pills, huge depleter of um, magnesium. Um, sweating, right? So if we're going to the gym and we're working out, we're sweating, it is an electrolyte. It's going to um, be depleted. Sugar, sugar depletes magnesium. One, um, 50, or one molecule of sugar takes 54 molecules of magnesium to process. <laughs> so if you're a sugar addict, you're going to be blowing through that magnesium like really quickly. Um, yeah. And so, and of course our foods don't contain the same amount of magnesium as they did many years ago because our soils have been, you know, over farmed and just, we don't have that same absorption anymore. Um, stress depletes magnesium and magnesium also helps stress. So it's, again, it's like this cycle, um, insulin resistance. So if we have unbalanced blood sugar levels, we're going to blow through magnesium levels, but yet on the flip side, magnesium helps with insulin resistance. So it's, there's so many things that actually deplete magnesium that if you're going, if you're on a medication, you have a sweet tooth, you exercise, you know, you, you're going through magnesium more so than any other mineral in the body. So do you see these deficiencies in both men and women? Yeah. So okay. in, yeah, definitely in men and women, it's more pronounced symptom wise in women. 
Okay. So in men, I find it's more, A, they're not as, they don't come in with the same symptomology. So in women, we see it in the hormones, in the stress, in the sleep. In men, it's more so, yes, stress, but then we also don't see it so much in hormone issues. Um, so it's it just presents a little bit differently. So, but it is, it's in both men and women. I know we want to talk more about hormones a little bit later in the conversation, but can you maybe highlight some of the symptoms, the common symptoms that people may be experiencing that could likely be related to a magnesium deficiency? Yeah. So I always like to say anything that's tight and irritable is going to be a magnesium deficiency. So we've got a lot of joint um, pain, muscle aches, cramping. Um, You could have anxiety, mood issues, depression, um, insomnia, stress, insulin resistance. So a lot of these things are low energy because, you know, magnesium is involved in our ATP, which is our energy molecule. And if we don't have enough magnesium, we're kind of dragging and ATP isn't being produced and we're going to be more tired, high blood pressure, um, bone health, osteoporosis. A lot of these things are, um, all, signs of deficiencies. And this is what I meant when I, at the beginning said, a lot of these deficiency signs are actually symptoms of other health issues. And so they're not looked at as magnesium deficiency. We kind of only see that once we've gone through everything else, and this is what we're left with. And then when we start to dose magnesium, we see improvement. So interesting. So like my teenage daughter, excuse me, who gets, you know, really crampy during her menstrual cycle. Maybe if I gave her magnesium regularly, that could help her. Is that what I mean? Am I hearing that correctly? Absolutely. Yeah. And so also for um, cycles where they're really heavy and crampy, we, there's the magnesium oil that um, you can also apply to the abdomen, which helps just with the cramping, right? Cause it's going to absorb right through the skin. Um, so that's more of a topical application and also Epsom salt baths would be very good in that time frame because again, it's more of like a, um, um, transdermal application. And then yes, taking magnesium. They also say like you can increase the magnesium the week before the period starts. And this way you have enough, um, magnesium in the system and then you can do the topical in if you would like as well. Seems like such an easy solution. Um, it's funny when my youngest daughter was little, I bought this like dead sea magnesium oil that somebody told me about on Amazon. And I used to like spray it on her feet and rub it in her feet every night. And she like said it helped her fall asleep. You know, who knows if it really did or not, but she loved it. So we did it every night. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It has, it works quite quickly. Um, I find I know when I dose magnesium with somebody or like we're seeing results in as little as seven days, sometimes in really complicated conditions, um, in easier uh, conditions, we can see results in up to three days. Like it works quickly. Um, but I think it's because the body just processes magnesium so quickly and so vastly um, that, you know, if you're bringing it in, it's going to up the levels. And then of course, everything's going to start to work better. It sounds yeah. like the wonder miracle, a mineral, <laughs> mineral, not miracle, yeah. mineral. 
<laughs> I, I, yeah, you know what? I, um, I call it the magic mineral. It's, it's, it is what it is, right? Um, I'm sure that that's not how anybody else refers to it, but I really do. I've had so much success with it and, you know, it's, it's been in so many different conditions. So it's, it's like, I haven't just tried it on one and I've done this for like a couple of years now where I've really aggressively gone at it in different conditions and we've seen some amazing results. Oh, I love, I love hearing this. And you talked a little bit about energy and we talked about sleep and I know sometimes that's what people associate magnesium with. This is kind of years back when I first started diving in, it was like, Oh, do I need it to help with my sleep? But I know there's very specific types of magnesium and maybe we could start to dive into that a little bit too, because you don't just like go to the store and right buy a bottle of any magnesium necessarily, depending on your symptoms. So I guess right. a couple of different things here, but maybe starting to focus more on sleep and stress and energy and what types of magnesium can help with these symptoms. Right. And so the one thing I hear right away when I mention magnesium is like, oh, I already tried that and it didn't work. <laughs> and, and that is the common thing. And it's usually because A, you're not using the right dose and B, you're not using the right form. And sometimes, depending upon what we're trying to treat, you're not dosing it at the right time. So yeah. So if we're looking at sleep, for instance, um, so magnesium helps with sleep because it's, it increases the GABA in the brain. So those receptors are kind of getting turned on and GABA is our inhibitory um, neurotransmitter. So it calms things down. It kind of silences things. It kind of like doesn't allow the brain to kind of jump around a mile, like a minute, you know, it's just a very calming neurotransmitter. And so what magnesium is going to do is increase those levels of GABA. And then that's going to kind of shut the nervous system down and allow for sleep. Now, magnesium citrate was the number one um, supplement for sleep for many, many years. And then bisglycinate came on the market. And bisglycinate is really good in that the molecule that that's attached to, which is glycinate, is also a very calming molecule. So now we've got increased GABA, we've got glycine that is very calming, and that's going to promote a really great sleep. So it's not, it's going to be a restful sleep. So not so much that you know, you're going to have like deep sleep the whole night, but you're going to be restful and you'll be able to go through the sleep stages properly. Um, so my recommendation on sleep is definitely a bisglycinate. Now, Can you spell for, that? yeah, B-I-S-G-L-Y-C-I-N-A-T-E. Now there is also something called magnesium glycinate. It's the exact same thing. It's just some companies put the bis on there and some don't, um, but it is, they're, they're the same product. Yeah. That's what I and was looking at my magnesium right now. And it just says, listen, it actually right. says, yeah. And then chile. I don't know if yeah. I'm pronouncing that yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's, there's like, um, they divide those up into, um, chelate is kind of, it's, you don't get the most magnesium concentration, but you get the most absorbable um, 
not form, but the most absorbable route. So each capsule will have a little less magnesium, but the magnesium that's in there is going to be that much more absorbable. Yeah. So how much would a person take? So the, the recommended dietary amount that is out there is 310 to 400 milligrams per day. Now, that is obviously the minimum that you would want to start at because that is what's recommended. And we know that RDA amounts are usually under what um, therapeutic levels are. So um, for sleep, that could range anywhere from 600 to 800 milligrams. Um, and this is where I mean, like, if people are like, okay, the, the bottle says one capsule at bedtime or one to two capsules per day, and a capsule is 150 milligrams or 200 milligrams, they're just dosing the RDA amount. And so this is where sometimes you can get this, oh, it doesn't work, right? Mm -hmm. So- yeah. That's super helpful because I'm looking at this magnesium that I'm taking, which is a full spectrum, and it's 250 milligrams is two capsules. Right. And it says it's only 60%. So then it's like, well, do you supplement, do you take three or do you supplement with another type of magnesium? Um, you know, and then we can talk about food too and just how do you get it through your diet? Uh, well, right. and I have one more question about this, just referring to sleep. So when I take my magnesium, I'm just like in the habit of taking it in the morning. But if I'm taking it, is it better to take it in the evening right before you go to sleep? Right. And that's a great question. And this is another area where I was saying like, it depends when you're dosing it, right? So mm -hmm. if you want to make it work for sleep, we're going to need to take it later in the day because during the day you are losing magnesium regardless, right? So um whether you have a brownie at 12 o'clock or you go out and work and you have a, you know, a sweat session as an exercise session, you're losing it. So the magnesium you've taken in the morning is likely gone by night. Um, so what we want to do is dose that probably somewhere about an hour before bedtime. So that by the time you go to bed, it's in the system and you're actually getting the full spectrum of the magnesium that you just took. Yeah. Okay. So one more question about that. Mm -hmm. Let's say I just want to take magnesium to cover everything, the PMS, the sleep, the stress, just overall, you know, health. Yeah. How would you recommend dosing and all of that? And I would dose it evenly through the day, right? So, because we kind of, if you take it first thing in the morning, you likely won't have any effect after probably one or two o'clock in the afternoon, because you've probably already used it up. Um, and magnesium is a supplement that is used up quite quickly. And so we would want to dose that probably three times per day. And, and what, what amount? Well, it depends on how that person or individual is like what all the health conditions are. Are they on medications? Are they eating any of the magnesium rich foods? It's really individual because I mean, I could say, oh, dose 600, but that may not be applicable if you're on high blood pressure medication or you're on, you know, an antacid or the birth control pill or anything like that, because then we have deficiencies already that are building up and then we're going to have to dose higher. So as a person listening to this podcast right now, how would you recommend they try and figure that out? 
it's probably something that they would need to a experiment with or work with a healthcare provider. Um, because it's hard to, I mean, if you're experimenting and you dose too much at once, you're going to end up with loose bowels. Right. And that's not anything somebody wants. Um, so, or what you could do is start at the recommended amount, which is somewhere between 310 and 400 milligrams, see how you do, see if your symptoms improve, and then you could move up slowly. But um, again, it's it's all dependent upon what you're trying to do and what your health history is. And so sometimes it's better to work with a practitioner um, because then too, if you're on medications, you have to be careful when you're dosing magnesium around medications because magnesium will actually compete with some of these medications, namely thyroid medication, high blood pressure medication, right? So this is not something that you want to be taking at the same time because you could actually be doing more harm than good. That sounds that's really, really helpful. That's really helpful. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> really, really helpful. Um, so you talked a little bit about what depletes um, magnesium, like sugar and birth control pills and other things like that. But how does lifestyle deplete our magnesium stores? Well, stress, sleep. <laughs> um, and, and it's, it's, we have to look at it too from, you know, magnesium has its hand in so many different aspects of our health that, so for instance, if we don't sleep and we have bad sleep on an ongoing basis, it's going to throw out our sugar levels, right? Our blood sugar levels. We're going to have dysregulation of blood sugar, which now means insulin is probably not functioning the way it should be. And now that's depleting magnesium. We also know that if we don't have a lot of sleep or we have a lack of sleep on an ongoing basis, we have an increase in cortisol, which is the stress hormone. And when stress hormones are up, cortisol's up, it's going to deplete magnesium. So it's looking at it from the perspective of what's actually going on when we don't actually do um, have a good sleep or if we're stressed, right? So again, stress would then increase cortisol, which would then deplete magnesium. Um, I guess exercise would be really good because exercise, A, you're still losing it because you're sweating, but you're also improving other aspects of it. So that's kind of like a teeter-totter, which, you know, at the end of the day, you probably balance it out, but there's the other factors that are not balancing out. They're depleting it completely. Yeah. That's so helpful because I know sleep and stress are something that I think most most people deal with at some point. Um, and so it's great to know that magnesium can help with that. Yeah. So can we dive in a little deeper and talk about the role magnesium plays with female hormones, both pre and post menopause? Yeah. So if we look at it from um, pre menopause, so a lot of the times with um, pre-menopause, we're looking at, let's just look at um, hormones in a female in her 20s and 30s. So again, we've already covered the PMS aspect of it, um, the cramping, the um, pain with periods. So that is definitely helpful there. And it also, um, if they are on oral contraceptives, um, they're going to deplete magnesium. So it's definitely important that we we bring in magnesium to kind of get rid of that depletion and supplement accordingly. Now, if we're looking at perimenopausal and um, in, even actually in, in 20 and 30-year-old females, the one important thing magnesium does is it helps 
to metabolize estrogen and get it out. And so one really important thing with females is if we have too much estrogen building up and reabsorbing in the body, then we can be prone to having something called estrogen dominance. And then that estrogen dominance increases a, the period flow B like the pain. It can lead to all sorts of other issues. Um, fibroids, it can lead to fibrocystic breast, tender, um, breasts and all those things. So that is one of the key things that, um, magnesium does is it helps to get that out. If we can't get out that estrogen metabolite, then it just goes back into the system and it reabsorbs and it reabsorbs and it reabsorbs. And that just is not good. Now in perimenopause and into menopause, we also see, um, insulin resistance is much more, uh, common. And as estrogen decreases, our bodies become more insulin resistant. That's just how physiology works. And so bringing magnesium in will make those insulin receptors more sensitive so that we're not going down that slippery slope of insulin resistance. And often that's why we see weight gain um, towards the end of perimenopause and into menopause, because now you've got no more estrogen and insulin resistance has kind of set in. And most times that weight is around the midsection, which is exactly where insulin likes to store. This is so interesting. I'm like fascinated by this. I've never dove into this topic so deeply. Yeah. Um, what about so, osteo? Sorry, go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say, so if you know, your estrogen drops as you enter menopause, so how specifically does magnesium then help with the insulin resistance? So is that going to help counter balance the insulin resistance, which is then going to potentially contribute to the weight gain around the belly, like you said? Right. So the insulin resistance is what's contributing to the weight gain. So what magnesium does is it sensitizes those insulin receptors. And when we sensitize the insulin receptors, they're going to be more apt to take up the glucose and get it out of the blood and allow insulin to do its job and then not sit there and then store as fat. So it's, it's a mechanism again, that's we got to look at what's happening and then how magnesium's hand kind of plays into that. Um, so that's a big issue with perimenopause, like towards late perimenopause and early menopause um, that we see. And then of course, mood, right? So in menopause, a lot of the times mood alters and, um, you know, with magnesium being enhancing the GABA receptors, it's going to improve mood. It's going to, you know, take that low mood and kind of shift it. And, um, that's a big concern for, um, women in menopause these days. Yeah. And then I know so many of our listeners. Yeah. I was just going to say osteoporosis. Um, yeah. And osteopenia, how does it, I guess, right. How could magnesium help someone going down the road of developing osteoporosis? Right. So we need vitamin D, right? So vitamin D helps our, not only our immune system and our overall health, but it also helps our bone health. The problem is vitamin D needs to be activated and it doesn't matter if you're taking vitamin D3, which, you know, this is a lot of marketing that goes on. Oh, D3 is active and it's not a problem. Just take it and you don't need to worry about it. The problem is that active vitamin D still needs to be activated in the liver by magnesium. So if you have a magnesium deficiency, you're not going to actually activate the vitamin D. And so oftentimes what we see is 
people who are vitamin D deficient are often magnesium deficient, and that's why the conversion isn't happening. Um, so if you look at bone health and osteoporosis, if you want vitamin D to be working and doing its job, then you need to have magnesium there to convert that vitamin D so that it can um, do the bone health work that it's supposed to do. We also take in a lot of calcium um, and like, I know that people do calcium supplements and we have to be careful with that because in menopause, a lot of calcium um, coming in through diet and supplements can sometimes end up in the arteries and that's not where we want it to go. Um, so magnesium is responsible in breaking down that calcium. And so if you don't have enough magnesium and you have this you know, ton of calcium coming in, you are much more apt to A, having calcifications in the artery and B, getting kidney stones because magnesium is responsible for breaking that calcium down and then sending it to the bones um, to do its job there. Okay, this is super fascinating to me because one, I have osteoporosis um, and I have for a few years, but you know, I test my vitamin D frequently and it's even with taking a supplement, it was never super high. It was kind of low. And then I started taking magnesium and I recently got it retested and it is like in the seventies. I mean, it's almost to the point where it's maybe getting to be too high, but I wonder if that has to do with me. I mean, I've been taking magnesium now for several months with the vitamin D. So yeah, yeah. that's great yeah. to hear. It is. And it's a, it's something that is not actually expressed. You know, if someone tests, you know, low for vitamin D, like, I don't know how it works over there, but here we have to pay for our vitamin D test. It's not covered by uh -huh. any insurance plan. And so a lot of people test it because we don't get a lot of sunshine here, especially for six months of the year. Um, and then they come back and they're low and their physician is like, oh, here, take this 10,000 IU of vitamin D and we'll retest in three months or six months or whatever they decide. And then they've taken all this vitamin D and they go back and their, their numbers haven't moved hardly at all. And now they're put on 50,000 IUs. And, and it's just this like, you know, and they, then they don't understand why it's not increasing. And so, you know, just adding enough magnesium in will allow that vitamin D to convert and you'll see it quite quickly. Like I have taken patients who are very low, like below the um, average or the allowable amount on blood work. And we've improved it in three months. Yeah. So, yeah. That's so cool. And, you know, it's just interesting about vitamin D because you mentioned like the range and what, you know, sort of is therapeutic versus what is conventional. And my son just had his vitamin D tested and it was low. I looked at it, I was like low. And there the doctor was like, oh, it's totally normal. And I'm like, no, but it's, it's not, but yeah, <laughs> especially, especially where we all live. Cause it's, yeah, we're not getting right. sun very often. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yes. so I always so, say if you're vitamin D deficient, you got to check your magnesium. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I know supplements are so overwhelming and confusing and, you know, people, some people want to go to Target. Stephanie and I say, don't, don't buy your, <laughs> don't buy your supplements where you buy your household products. Um, how do you suggest someone finds a high quality magnesium supplement? That's a great question. So Unfortunately, <laughs> um, yeah, so, okay, where am I gonna start here? First of all, I wanna say if your magnesium supplement contains magnesium oxide, just put it back. 
<laughs> um, don't even pick it up. Don't put it up. Magnesium oxide is the cheapest form of magnesium and it's the least, we don't absorb it. Less than 5% of it is what we enjoy. If you need a really good laxative, oxide is your, is your friend because that's all it's going to do. It's not going to absorb. We're not going to get any of the benefits of magnesium from magnesium oxide. Now here's the other issue. A lot of companies are now starting to put different forms of magnesium into one supplement. So you'll see a supplement and it will have three or four different types of magnesium. The problem with that is most times it might have magnesium oxide in there and they don't tell you how much of each is in that supplement. So you'll see magnesium bisglycinate, citrate, oxide, and malate, 250 milligrams. And you have no idea if 200 of those milligrams is oxide. And so if you want to do your due diligence, you call the company and you find out what the breakdown is. And if they don't want to give that to you, then just put it back. Don't bother. Um, and if they do give it to you and it's a small amount and you feel like it's going to outweigh, um, you know, the, the benefits of the other three, then you can either, you know, decide you want to take it or not. But I would recommend going with a single magnesium. So going to a health food store usually is a good option. Um, they usually carry the brands that aren't full of all kinds of fillers. You want to be looking at ingredients. Believe it or not, there are magnesium supplements that have color in them. And there are magnesium supplements that have natural flavors or artificial flavors in them. And that there's no point in getting something like that because it's going to negate any benefit that you're going to be getting. So that's oh, super helpful. Yes. So do you have one particular type of magnesium that you think would be just for kind of optimal health, but if you don't have any significant, you know, magnesium deficiency issues or symptoms, but just for the, the average person, if you will? Yeah. So I use bisglycinate because it's a yeah. nice general all around magnesium. It's well tolerated and it's often, um, it's highly absorbable. So okay. it's, and it kind of touches on all of the oh. things that magnesium does. So I definitely use that as a general all around. And then I have some other ones that I use specifically. So where I mentioned earlier, citrate used to be that bisglycinate kind of magnesium. So now um, I reserve citrate for constipation cases, for digestive cases, um, those kinds of things. And again, um, it works well because it is kind of, it is an osmotic laxative. So it's not a laxative like you would buy in the pharmacy, um, like Restore Lax or something like that. But um, citrate is more, it brings water into the colon and it allows for um, people to have easier bowel movements. And so if we're looking at dosing, we want to dose that at night so that it's working through the night and then in the morning they see their results. And I also use citrate for um, GERD, so acid reflux. So what citrate does is it helps to keep that flap, the uh, lower esophageal sphincter down. Um, and so that's something I use with that. And then there's lots of research on migraines for citrate. Hmm. So, oh, yeah. so would that be like the natural calm? Sorry. The natural calm. Did Do you, you know say? that product? It's called yeah. like natural calm. I used yeah. it last night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, 
if I'm trying to deal with some things, like I use the citrate specifically, unfortunately with the calm, there are other ingredients in there. Um, and yeah, it's just the way that it's processed. It's obviously there to make it palatable and that it doesn't taste horrible. (laughs) Um, so I, I usually stick straight to either the powder, which is just straight magnesium powder or the capsule if I want it to do something specific. And that's where I basically found the most success. Okay. Is there a brand that you love? There's a few. I mean, I, I get practitioner brands. So like, um, the stuff that I prescribe is available to naturopathic doctors here. So they, they consider them professional brands, but, um, there are brands like Thorn and designs for health, um, that are out there that are fairly good. Natural factors is a, a good brand. So, yeah. Yeah. Those are all good brands I've used before. Yeah. Um, so can we talk a little bit about magnesium rich foods and, you know, you talked about the soil being depleted, but what can we be doing, um, in addition to probably supplementing, just eating certain foods on a daily basis to help replenish those magnesium stores? Yeah. So just because our soils are depleted doesn't mean we shouldn't try to get as much as we can from our foods. Um, so the top food sources I would say that um, include magnesium are like your leafy greens, avocados, um, pumpkin seeds are probably the most um, highest magnesium rich food. So if you can incorporate some pumpkin seeds into your diet somehow daily, that would be really good. Flax seeds are also high, not as high as pumpkin, but they're good. Um, Brazil nuts, almonds are usually really good in um, magnesium. And then of course, dark chocolate. So dark chocolate, the higher the cacao ratio, the better um, or the higher magnesium you're going to get. And then things like fatty fish. So salmon, mackerel, those kinds of fish also will provide some magnesium. It's, I often get the question, can I supplement my food as, you know, enough of a supplement for magnesium? And unfortunately, no, Um, I have tried, I've tried with myself and I've tried with patients and it's, it's really tough. It's really tough. I think we just deplete so quickly that you can't eat enough to get um, the amount that you need. So like when I, for instance, like a quarter cup of pumpkin seeds is going to give you about 300 milligrams. Okay. So we've just reached RDA amounts and now you can't have anything leaving (laughs) out of that day or else you're going to be probably below um, right. What you and that includes, like you said, stress and workouts and things right. that just are going to be part of our lives right now. Well, right. I'm so glad I just started making this like dark chocolate bark with, with pumpkin seeds and almonds and dark chocolate and some other seeds. Good. So I'm going to yeah. have to start, you know, enjoying that more often now. Exactly. <laughs> now that I know it's helping to boost my magnesium. Right. And I, I always say, you know what, we, we should include those magnesium foods in addition to a supplement because 
it's just adding. And we also have to remember the magnesium coming in from the foods is going to be a different type of magnesium that's coming in from a supplement. So our body is going to process that magnesium a little bit differently. It doesn't have a molecule attached to it. The reason we have so many different magnesium, citrate, bisglycinate, L3-inate, all these kinds is because it's easier if we're taking it in supplement form, when it's attached to an amino acid or some other molecule, it's easier to get into the body and absorbed. Whereas the food magnesium you're eating, it's straight magnesium. Like there's no molecule attached to that. Right. So it's, it's a different form. So definitely, you know, adding in the foods in addition to the supplement is definitely the route I would go. What about foods to avoid because they deplete your magnesium? Yeah. So those are foods that sometimes people have like lectins or um, uh, oxalates, they will definitely deplete magnesium in some individuals. So um, we have to be careful with um, those types of foods. So like spinach is a big thing. Um, If we're looking at leafy greens, then we definitely want to be cautious. Now, if you don't know, usually, you know, if you have an oxalate issue, because you have some form of symptom or a lectin issue. Um, And so then you just have to kind of not have the grains and the the spinach and the, the high oxalate foods, which unfortunately also includes dark chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) I eat tons of spinach, so I'm assuming I don't have that issue. No, yeah. Most people who have an oxalate issue will have some form of um, symptom, whether that's interstitial cystitis, vulvodynia, like some of these things um, are symptoms of high oxalate use. Yeah, yeah. Well, this has just been so, so fascinating. And, you know, as we start to wrap up the conversation, um, We'd love to just leave our listeners with some tips, you know, practical tips and things that they can do. You've already kind of peppered in so much um, from this conversation, but we love leaving people with some tips just so they could start doing this week, like really easy. Absolutely. So a food, right? So let's try to get in some more magnesium rich foods. Um, then if you do want to supplement, at least supplement the RDA value. And if you need additional help, go and seek help from a healthcare provider. Um, And I would suggest going with just a standalone magnesium. So whether it's bisglycinate or citrate or whatever it is that you want to use, um, that's fine. And then you can also do transdermal applications, right? So magnesium oil, um, Epsom salt baths are great. And I would not ever recommend them on their own as your only source of magnesium absorption because unfortunately we don't know how much each person absorbs and we're all different. Some of us will absorb a lot. Some of us won't. And so, you know, always adding them into the mix is definitely going to improve your magnesium status. Then, of course, dealing with your stress so you're not losing magnesium on a daily basis. So implementing some form of stress Uh, management technique daily. And then of course, um, making sure we're getting good sleep. So all the things that deplete magnesium, we definitely want to start to move away from those things. Um, Obviously, if you're exercising, you're going to sweat, that's fine. I mean, I'm not saying that that's, you know, we have enough to regulate what we lose through that. And we also get some benefits from that exercise. And then finally, probably 
just making sure like our lifestyle factors, our diet is on par. So, you know, you eat a lot of sugar, maybe cut back on some of that sugar so that you're not losing as much magnesium um, every day or every time you eat these, um, you know, treats or sweets or whatever. So they're just simple things that you can do to start to help um, keep some of that magnesium inside. And then of course, if you're on a medication, um, a lot of medications deplete magnesium, like a lot. So, um, and even antibiotics, right? So if you're on a medication, then you're more apt to be magnesium deficient. So you definitely want to do that extra step of, um, making sure you're getting in as much as you can. These are great tips. Thank you so much. And I know your Instagram page, um, which we'll link up in the show notes, has tons and tons of information on it that you post regularly for people that want more. Um, and how can people work with you or how, do you work with people? I do right now only in Ontario though, for patient wise. Um, and then of course I, I, they can find me on Instagram where I share lots of information. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think, website. yeah, you mentioned your ebook earlier. Yeah, I do have a magnesium ebook. It's um, a 50 page book where I've kind of put everything in that uh, you can find in one spot. I've put in some recipes as well with some of the magnesium rich foods. Um, so yeah, and it's, it's basically um, just a combination of all the like information so that you can find it all in one spot. Yeah. And I'm that's assuming great. that's on your website. It's on my website. It's on my Instagram, um, in my bio. So yeah, it's, it's readily available. Great. Great. Um, well, as we wrap up this really just enlightening conversation, um, we have one final question. We like to ask all of our guests, Dr. Barb, and that is what does the art of living well mean to you? The art of living well right now, um, especially in our times that we're going through in the world, um, for me is kindness. It's just something that I think we all need to do. And with everything that's going on in this, um, world right now, I think kindness is something that we can all do. It's contagious. If we, you know, it comes back to us if we give it out. And I think that is really just a great way to live. And, you know, we never know what another person is going through and, you know, to just be kind and realize that, you know, we don't know if that person is having a rough day or a bad day and, you know, just, you know, saying something kind or nice or genuine from the heart, I feel is really important and really is the art of living well. I love That's that. That's so beautiful. Yes. If everyone had that mentality, I know. our world would be a different place. <laughs> exactly, right? I find that too. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you definitely um, you know, show lots of kindness in what you do and just all that you're giving out and putting out there of yourself. So thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks and for coming on our show today. Yes, it's been a pleasure to be here. And I'm always happy to to talk about my favorite mineral. <laughs> well, we're, ha we're happy that you're happy to talk about it. The yeah. magic um, mineral magnesium. Yeah. Right. That's the name on my book too. My email. Oh, so. okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well have, have a good have day. A Stay day. warm. Thank you. Will do. Bye-bye. Take care. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Art of Living Well podcast. We are so grateful that you joined us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or anyone else you think may benefit from this information. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and tag the Art of Living Well podcast on social media. If you want more inspiration in between episodes, you can find us on social media at the Art of Living underscore well on Instagram and Facebook, where we will share snippets from our daily lives and our journey to living well. Mm-hmm.